I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Recruitment is not easy. But for most of our business, the people are the lifeblood of what we're growing. Get it right and you'll fly. Get it wrong and you could be in a world of pain. So how should we be recruiting and where should Joe start with his first hire? I'm Joe Glover, founder of The Marketing Meetup, a global community that connects and educates over 20,000 marketers in the most lovely way possible. Everything we do, we do it to put the human beings we help first. I'm Richard Wood. I lead the marketing agency Six and Flow. I've worked in marketing for around 19 years now, and I'm a massive believer in that marketers should be trying to engage with people on a human level, not just treating them as leads and numbers in a spreadsheet. This is Humans Come First, the podcast about marketing and how we can focus on the things that matter. And try to cut through the bullshit, but probably also adding a little bit bullshit along the way. Nice. I like how you added that line in. I know. Do you know, I went went off script there. (laughs) So, uh, Rich, what's been going on? It's been about a thousand months since we last recorded the podcast. It's been been a long time, Joe. I have missed that big, beautiful, bald head of yours. (laughs) The first line I said when we came onto this call was, (laughs) it's like looking in a mirror. So... (laughs) So... How, how's your your what was six months since we've done a podcast something like that? I don't even know. I don't. How's know. it been for you, Joe? Uh, it's been a big six months. It's been a really big six months. So I would guess that last time we uh, spoke, we did a podcast, then we would have just about launched TMM Plus, which in itself was a mammoth project, alongside the bunch of webinars that we've been going, and and it's sort of around that point. It was towards the end of like a massive, massive 18 months push that I think we'd all been doing. So the first thing that I wrote down about the last six months is I got some rest because I think I was pretty much burnt out uh, by the end of that, that period. So Jet and I spent a couple of weeks on a farm with no Wi-Fi, no signal. Bing, ling, ding, um, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> pretty much. And just chilled out, just like did nothing. And it was really, really nice. And like these past few weeks, I've done four days a week as well, which has been good. How are you finding the four-day week? Well, it's and it, is, Are you doing just four days or are you doing four extended days? So same hours, less days, or are you doing just less hours? Well, I mean, like, you know what the real the real life is like, which means that I'm doing four days during the week. And then probably Saturday and Sunday as well. So, so you're, but... so you're doing a seven-day week, but <laughs> I'm telling myself it's four. Yeah, exactly. No, you know, I, I've worked normal hours. Um, well, I've worked sort of like hours around sort of dad life, but then I work in the evenings and, and little bits of the weekend too. But like in terms of like structured working days, then only four. It's good practice as well because actually the plan is that when Annie goes to nursery, then uh, I'll be going down to four weeks proper, four days weeks proper because uh, we'll, she'll do three days at nursery and, and Jet and I will do a day each. So uh, it's been all right. It's been all right. Um, I would say I feel more stressed. 
<laughs> so it does it does not like a workload management which is like yeah that fits into four days but you know like just got to get stuff done it's kind of all there is so uh so yeah it's all, well all i mean that'll, that'll happen if you keep chewing off massive massive projects to deliver in the same period of time but you know but, <laughs> but, but honestly i don't think i don't think that story's unique in terms of like everybody i speak to at the moment particularly those running um, businesses are burnt out and like we were seeing it so i was seeing it so like i was knackered wasn't into what i was doing and like i am i am like i'm not financially driven with what we do and i'm like i enjoy the process and i wouldn't do this job if i didn't enjoy it but i was starting to get to the point where it felt like a hassle felt like work and so like i was feeling it and we were seeing it across our team as well so we use um like 15.5 to track everybody's like happiness and like communicate with the team regularly weekly and we're seeing a steady decline and seeing like work rates going up and all that kind of stuff so we we took the option to give everybody um half days on fridays to try and try and alleviate some of that making sure that everybody was getting rest we've brought on a, an hr manager now as well who is constantly badgering people to take take mm-hmm. their leave make sure they're taking time out so i think it, it's good that everybody's had a focus on it but by no no stretch are you the only person who's telling me that they're feeling burnout and 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 struggling a bit so i think it's um i think it's probably a it was like it's basically like long covid for entrepreneurs <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's definitely a version of it, isn't it it's just been monster hasn't it you know and, and it's interesting that i was listening to a, a podcast the other day which is that we probably now have to recognize that we are moving from a period of sort of fight into a period where we can also start to thrive again yep. you know and, and the marketing media has been thriving in the past 18 months but now we're sort of like moving into this next stage and stuff like that and it's like it's just interesting i think it was a it was reed hoffman and, and the quote was like in fact it was on reed hoffman's podcast and he was quoting someone else who was saying that covid is not a business strategy and uh you know that, that really sort of struck a chord because it's like oh wait you know what we can actually move to this next phase and sort of try to chill out just a little bit you know and sort of get back to that sort of let's thrive rather than just keep on fighting mindset so yeah that was that was my first one how about you what's been going on to be honest mate it's like burnout has been a big part of it and making sure that we're on top of that and uh, like not just like my own health and like i've been trying to focus on doing stuff that i enjoy outside of work so golf is a big one and you know i am of an age now and (laughs) like just like trying to make sure healthy diet all that kind of shit but Mm. um as a business it's just recruitment like we've been hiring at a rate of knots and like we so we are currently at i think 32 um people and Mm. if if we could hire at the rate that we need to i think there'd be 50 of us by now um but we've it's starting to tick over as in like the hiring game starting to come back and Honestly, in the last six months, we've brought on some incredible new hires. So, like, you know, when you just somebody comes into the business and has an immediate impact. So, like, we've we've started to see that come across the business as well, which is great. It's it's really good to see. That's nice. You've you've had an offer of funding. Yeah, yeah. So, um, from someone we absolutely adore. You know, so it it wasn't one of those. Yeah, (laughs) like honestly, every time we get on the call with this, this guy. Like I just come away with it saying, oh, what an amazing person. So like, it was such a- uh, Joe, a I definitely didn't offer you any money. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, the I other know. one, the other one. <laughs> we, but for now, we, we've chosen not to take it. And, and I guess the, the situation is that presently, 
with the marketing meetup, then we don't really feel like we need it, you know, and actually it's in a nice place where slow growth sort of feels quite pleasant and appropriate and um, the the experiments that we're doing to maybe sort of accelerate growth a little bit are, you know, ongoing, but we're happy to do it with our own money for the meantime as well. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's just a really, really lovely situation where we've got someone that we know is sort of standing behind us and, and willing to back us if, if we want. But for the meantime, we don't need it. And it sort of feeds into that sort of thought for me, at least with the business, which is, you know, and, and the business and the community more importantly, which is let's focus on the things that matter, the impact that we can make on an individual basis, look to impact people deeply, meaningfully, and you know growth sort of comes as a, res as a result of that you know i'm not the i'm not the 10x guy i'm the you know let's just keep on growing and, and sort of have fun yeah, with but, it so. but we've discussed this the 10x guy is a knob <laughs> it's so true i'm so bored like i'm so bored of twitter threads you know what it was just people like saying this is how you can 10x it and this is how i got to fifty dollars mmr you know and it all mmr out you know and it's like you got to 50 you know well done you know but you know don't it's just it's just silly so growth for the sake of it isn't isn't what we're about so um it's been a, a lovely situation it was it was a real head spin in a very pleasant way and it caused me to get serious about a lot of things which is really nice you know because i think the word that people keep using with the marketing meetup is potential which to start off with, I was like, I, I took a bit, you know, like, Jesus, you know, thanks for that. But I've been working on this for the past five years and you're telling me it's got potential now, <laughs> you know, but then I actually realized you know, it, it does. It's got a bunch of potential, but we've got to keep on doing what we're doing. I like Joe. He tries really hard. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's He's like got the potential. Most, it's like the most improved award that, you know, you get at the end of the, the football season or whatever. And it's like, oh, wait, I was rubbish before. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, uh, but I don't think the marketing meetup in any way has been rubbish before. I think it's, um, I think it just speaks to a really nice potential to to help more and more people in a really meaningful way. Which yeah. uh, it's nice that other people recognise that. You too. still excited about the business? You still got like the the same passion and drive? Yeah, well, that's probably why the last thing that I sort of wrote down about these last few months um, is relevant. So it's interesting before we got into this call you were like wow that's a lot of stuff and, and this actually caused me to reflect and think maybe we can slow down on some of this stuff as well but we're adding in more things that are exciting on top of the thing that was already exciting you know so we're we're thinking about a slack community we've got in-person events returning we've got mentorship matching coming back um we launched the job board and the thing that I'm really, really excited about is our grants. So we're gonna we've put together a series of packages from our sponsors in the first instance, but then we're gonna uh, sort of spread out the net, um, which is gonna help folks who just have an idea, mainly marketers who have an idea, and just like say, you know what, we're gonna support you through a three-week program that starts with strategy. Then we give them a bunch of tools, and then in the last week we give them some money, um, and sort of say, you know, off you go. Here's that support. And like that just speaks to everything that I care about, really, which is that like if things are going all right for you, then you sort of put the ladder down behind you and, and sort of help people up to that place after you. So so that's the thing that keeps it interesting for me beyond the people. Um, you know, the people are, are given 
that you know it's always exciting to see people i'm really really buzzing to see them in person but these grants is just like it speaks true to my heart which is like it, i'm just buzzing to sort of bring it to the world and sort of see what we can make happen really so so yeah i'm, I'm really buzzing about that um how about you i can see that on on our list of things that you've got a couple more so i'm interested particularly in the super secret global project but super secret <laughs> global project so this is something that has been a long time in the making um i can't tell you too much about it obviously because it's super secret but the effectively what we're doing is creating a mechanism that we can globally service our clients in a a, a way that enables us to grow um but also means that we don't have to lose autonomy within the business or have to go on a massive acquiring spree. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be fun because we will be announcing it next quarter, and I will I will share with you, Joe, because it'll be no. fun. <laughs> it's very coy at the moment. I like it there. Very coy. That's, that's me. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that we have been focusing a lot in 2021, and it's all kind of coming to fruition now, is how how entrenched in we are with HubSpot and what what we do and how we deliver that. So we've changed up our, our teams and our structure to make sure that we can deliver as deliver HubSpot into as many companies as possible um, and still kind of maintain the, the quality of the rollouts and stuff like that. And at, at the moment, we are currently one of um, HubSpot's uh, best performing partners, which is for, for a little agency that sprung out of Manchester is something <laughs> that always, always makes me happy. That's you know me, Joe. It's not like I'm competitive or anything. No, it's not like you're competitive or, no. or modest or anything like that. So, <laughs> fucking modest. Joe, I'm the most modest person ever. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the big the big news is that I am embracing my midlife crisis and I'm getting a motorbike. So, yeah, yeah. golf for the motorbike within golf for the motorbike. Yeah, <laughs> I need and then I need something else to focus on that signifies that I've like fully gone off the rails. Tattoos. Uh, I need more tattoos. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that's that's us caught up, Joe. Anything else before we move on? No, I'm just imagining you get a HubSpot tattoo now or something like that. What would you get? Did you get the six and the five marketing logo? meetup? <laughs> I'm I'm with Joe across my bicep. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I mean, like, so I'm signing up for an ultra marathon next year as well. So, like, the midlife stuff is 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 real, you know, between us. So, it's, oh, dude, uh, get something with an engine. It's way easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably should. These legs, three. Anyway, <laughs> I landed like a lead balloon, didn't it? Anyway, <laughs> uh, so we were going to spend a little bit of time speaking about hiring today, uh, which ties into what you've been speaking about already. Um, but for the first time ever, then I'm hiring, which is mad and something that I've resisted for a long, long time. Um, it's not something I wanted to do. I was always quite happy not having the responsibility of another person's mortgage on my shoulders and, and, and stuff like that. But um, everything with the marketing meetup has got to a point where it's like, yeah, let's get some help in. And like financially, it's like we're okay to do it for the first time, which is in itself kind of a little bit bonkers. And uh, I feel like I'm speaking to someone who's, you know, you, you go through it a lot. And, and the thing about this podcast is that as much as we do it for folks to learn from us, then I think I can learn a lot from you as well. So, 
Well, yeah, I mean, I've definitely fucked up this process loads, so I can definitely <laughs> teach you some of the failings as well. I'm happy. I'm happy to hear about the fuck-ups. In fact, I'll be even more glad to hear about the fuck-ups, you know, because I know you're so modest, so you're not going to speak about the uh, the things that went really well, you know. So, um, so how many people do you reckon you've hired over the course of time? What's in, like, career-wise? Ever. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. It's got to be circa 100. Wow. I, I reckon so yeah I reckon so there's 30 ish that currently work here there's probably 10 who haven't made it or have like moved on since um, so there's probably be like 40 45 within six and flow alone then previous agencies probably about another 10 to 15 the agency before that probably another 20 um, and then yeah so probably probably kissing a hundred that's mad that's mad and like how did you know when was the right time to hire in those situations in fact let me do another question first which is how does it feel to do the first hire versus you being around 100 now and, i think and... it's, it, it's different though like so the, the first hire i ever made i kind of remember who or where that was but the first hire you make when you're part of somebody else's business is slightly different from the first hire you make in your business so the first hire I made it like obviously it's nerve-wracking because you're like oh shit I'm interviewing this person like what are the questions quickly google like okay what are some good interview questions like that kind of shit and you stumble your way through it but ultimately it's not typically if it's your first hire within somebody else's business it's not going to be somebody who is make or break for that business like it's not mission critical normally like that's for example you're a marketing manager at that point and you hire a marketing exec yeah they could make some fuck ups but it's probably not going to pull the whole house of cards down but when you're hiring your first the first person within your own business you're then taking the risk from like you mentioned it there you're not just worried about your mortgage anymore but you then have to make sure that you are able to pay them although I think that's the wrong way to look at it because you are still providing providing a job and employment for other people and they when people join a startup they are taking on that inherent risk so don't don't shoulder the kind of their mortgage they are taking on that there's risk versus reward and all that kind of shit so don't don't lose sleep over that although I like it's very easy to say but I constantly do that was the first thing like when we went started COVID it was very much like fuck what happens if all of our clients fold our business folds that's 30 people who aren't going to be able to pay their mortgage or rent but that, I mean, it's natural, but don't. Um, but but the, the, the thing with, when you hire somebody within your own business, it changes the game entirely because you go from what is effectively a consultant where, mm-hmm. or freelancer or like just fucking some dude sat at a desk on his own pretending you're a business to you are a real business where you need to make sure you have the right insurances, you have the right payroll, you have all of that kind of stuff going through. And that's that's where it starts to change because it not only does it mean you're bringing in a management layer, so you have to make sure that this person has what they need and is giving you what you need, but also you have to make sure that you have the admin layer surrounding them as well. So it immediately changes everything on like multiple scales. Yeah. So good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But you know, that's 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 it the the upside to it though 
is you end up with a team member that takes that it grows immediately grows up your business. Now it's a little bit different from you because you've got you and like you're you're not the only person in the business. It's just your first yeah. hire in the business. So it's not yeah. like you're going from one to two, you're going from two to three. But yeah. so that's when when you go from one to two, it immediately grows up the business to another level. Like you are now an entity where you have to think more about more past am I going to earn enough to be able to buy my shopping tonight? So right. it's, okay, are we going to have enough money in the bank to pay payroll? Are we right. going to have enough to, money in the bank to make sure that we can put money into professional development for that person? So it, it changes the way that you think about all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really interesting. You know, even, even you know, it's, it's really a really good point that you made right at the beginning there, which was about sort of like them shouldering the risk as much, you know, because that's, it's, it's a nice sort of mindset is probably a selfish mind, selfish benefit on my point, but also quite a refreshing thing because I don't think I hear many people put it that way. So that's really useful actually. Um, what are the best three things that you've learned from hiring over the, over that period of time? I'm like, I'm taking notes here because I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> the best, I reckon the best three things I've learned, there's probably way more than three, but the one the lesson that i learned first i think is that having a single person in the recruitment process particularly if you're someone like me who i'm very much relationship driven like i'm i'm good at building rapport with people and i'm also easy to build rapport with like if you get on a call with me and you start talking about something that i am interested in i will build a natural affinity with you very quickly so if you go on a call with me and start talking about golf motorbikes in like West Ham I will build a natural affinity with you and it like stupidly because I know that that's got absolutely no like if I think about logically that's got no bearing on whether you can actually do the job I'm interviewing for but that's and so that's what I learned is that actually having just me in the sales process and then you extrapolate that out to having just one person in a sales process is never going to get you the right kind of um Um, people within your business because there's no cognitive diversity around like who is actually interviewing that person you need to make sure that those people fit and the other thing that you end up doing is you would end up with a business that is full of people that look like you and act like you because you have an affinity with those things and so like my my view on diversity across businesses is always around cognitive diversity so educational gender race all of it goes into that cognitive diversity piece and you won't get that if you have a single person in the the sales process uh, sorry the recruitment process so what we we've done is our recruitment process and next to our sales process is the is the process within our business that has had the most tweaking and most experimenting so our normal process is super long like it it is very long but it is so you have an initial first stage interview, which is normally with our HR manager and uh, our admin, and they mm-hmm. it's sense checking. Um, they then say yes or no. Then you have an interview with normally two directors within the business. They mm-hmm. say yes or no. Then you have a presentation interview. So if it's a CSM role, for example, we set some examples and ask them how they would deal with certain situations and get them to map that out and then present it back to us. And then the final stage we have is a speed date interview. So it's basically we get mm-hmm. six team members across the business to do 10 minutes back to back with with the new recruit. 
Right. And what that does is because we, we've always positioned ourselves as being a team first agency. We like, and obviously we don't always get that right, but a big part of that was giving people ownership over the people that they work with. So mm. allowing them to be the final step in the recruitment of saying yes or no. And we've lost some great candidates at that stage because people have gone, no, I don't think we could work with them. So it, it means that we have a sense check and they have ownership over it. So if they sign off on somebody and they turn up being wrong, they're as much culpable as leadership are because they helped agree coming in. But actually what it does for the recruitee is that by the time that they start the business, they've already met um, probably six people across ops and leadership and then another six mm -hmm. people who they're going to be working with. So on day one, they have already met 12 people. So they're not walking into the building or logging onto Zoom, wherever they are, going, <laughs> shit, I've never met this person. Um, so it, like they feel like they are part of the team and they can ask questions as well. So they, they can ask questions that they don't want to ask the leadership team. Like, mm -hmm. what is it like to work here? What are the holidays like? procedures what's the dress code you know all those shitty questions that you're never going to ask in the interview process you can ask yeah, that shit yeah. and frankly i don't care if the team are asking them what's your favorite food do you like cats or dogs i care yeah. more about the fact that they have they can have a conversation and get along and that's what i'm looking for out of that because we've already sense checked are they technically capable do we feel like they could like fit within the business and then it's up to that whole culture piece. And I spoke to David Cancel about this um, a couple of years ago, and he was saying, what you should do in that part of the process is actually observe it as well. So watch, like he was like, if you can, be <laughs> on the other side of the room and watch and see what those interactions are like, see what the body language is. Obviously COVID, hiring remotely, all that kind of shit throws all that out of the window. And we've never actually done it, but it kind of makes sense because it's those non-verbal non cues that you can pick up from people as well, which would be great to see, but mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's necessary in our process. But so yeah, it's that, that was the first lesson is that don't just have me in the process because I'll fuck it up. Nice. Um, but which comes neatly into my second one is hire slow, fire fast. Like you must've heard that a hundred times. Mm -hmm. But if, mm -hmm. if you are methodical with your sales process and by hire slow, I don't necessarily mean like take six months to bring a candidate in, but have a process, make sure it's mapped out and follow it because otherwise you're going to miss things and thing, then it becomes more of a gamble of who you bring in. And then you like, but if, if somebody isn't right for the business, you need to get them out of the business quickly because that is, that is, you can end up in a situation where you've got the wrong candidate, wrong, wrong bum, right seat. And if that happens, then you start to damage the business for like, it can be culturally, it can be like with clients, all sorts of stuff. That's interesting. I mean, how do you feel about that though? Because I mean, like firing sounds like something that's a it bit- fucking sucks. It's the worst, part, worst part of the, the, the job. It is an awful experience for everybody involved. And I think that's like, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to get like the woe is me for the business having to exit somebody. It sucks yeah. for the person more, obviously. But I think sometimes people forget that it's, it's very rarely personal, and it, mm. but it, is, uh, it, it has a personal toll on both parties. It is not a nice process. Now, I mean, that's because I'm not, that might be because I'm not an HR person in an HR role. It's not something that is part of my day-to-day -day role, and it very, very rarely happens um, in Six and Flow. But mm. it's, it's one of those things that has to happen, and it, fucking hurts for everybody like it it feels when somebody leaves the business um like when they resign it all it feels personal it's not but it yeah. always feels personal you feel like somebody there's a rejection in there and it's yeah. the same way both ways around 
Interesting. That's so interesting. Like, I hadn't even thought about that pain that's yet to come. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. And then yeah. probably the last one is that you've got to get the right people into the business because getting the right or wrong person to the business will make or break the business. If you hire mm. badly, that will change the trajectory of your business. You hire well, I mean, you could skyrocket. You could get an absolute Galactico signing and it yeah. will change the course of your business and you'll be like, holy shit, we didn't know we could do this. And I mean, like the ideal scenario is, and this, is, this has been my view on hiring since the beginning, is always hire people that are better than me at something. Be, mm-hmm. Like not, not everything, but like there is something that they do within the business that they are better than me at because yeah. otherwise we will only ever cap out at the level that I'm at. So if everybody's yeah. in my image and can't do it better than me, we will never be better than me. And that's that. I mean, I so, and that's what that's what we look for. We want people who are, or at least have the potential, to be better than us at what we currently do. And then a fourth bonus one: make culture the driver. Like you need you need people who can do the job, but you have to make sure that culturally they're a good fit. You could have an amazing, amazing team member, but they're a fucking asshole, and nobody wants to work with them. So, and that's never gonna work because they might be doing a great job on their own, but the rest of the team don't wanna work with them. So you're actually losing the capacity or the abilities from all the others because they don't wanna be part of that working momentum. That's so interesting. It's, it's really interesting. So like as much as anything else, I think um, being in the situation I am presently, and I'm sure there's a lot of folks who can resonate with this feeling in the professional world, no matter what they do, it feels like I've got a hundred things on my plate, and so I do ninety-nine of them really, really sort of not not half-assed, but you know I, I'll do them within fifty percent of my capacity because that's what time allows. And and what I'm hearing from you is like, this is this is something that is worth spending time over and worth being considerate on and worth you know just putting as much as you possibly can into the process because it's the type of thing that can. I think the time you used earlier was sort of make or break the business and, and actually it's that important and that, that's really interesting and sort of really important to emphasize certainly in my own personal context but hopefully for those listening too um, the, the other thing I would say on that as well is hire at the peak of what you can so if you yeah. if you as in and that might be budget or kind of like experience levels but you you get, without trying to make people sound like a commodity, but you get what you pay for in terms of hiring. And with your first hire, make sure you hire at the, the top of the game that you can afford to bring into the business. Because if you don't, that you A, you're capping that, but at some point you will then have to bring in somebody above that level to then mm-hmm. help accelerate that. And if you get somebody who is, is able to really like push the business, the difference in what you're paying them in salary, they should be able to bring back in terms of like um, ROI for the company. Yeah, yeah, and, and actually that's an interesting thought in that ROI of course is measured in so many different forms as well. So it doesn't have to be a financial one necessarily. It could be a time benefit, life benefit, professional, you know, even, even well, all sorts really. That's, that's really, really interesting. It sets my mind racing, it really, really does. <laughs> it's really, really interesting. You know, those were the things that you really, really believe you know that that have been important how about the things that you kind of fucked up along the way what what have been those moments where you've been like ah i got that wrong and, and like we all say fuck ups but you know i mean 
obviously these are just like the biggest learning opportunities as well aren't they these are the yeah. things which you'll never do again a, so. a learning moment yeah um, <laughs> i think one of the biggest mistakes we've made as a business is promoting too soon so by that i mean sometimes you bring somebody into the business as a, an incredible ind individual contributor and they are doing an amazing job but you put them in a, a place of leadership and then at that point they're not necessarily well equipped with it and that's that's a failing on our point because we put somebody in a role who can't then deliver on that and i think there's been a couple of times where we've hired into roles that are more senior than the roles that somebody's in expecting them to be able to step into those roles and it's been part of the recruitment process because that's what was needed to make the move across it's not just a salary a lot of people are chasing progression which is great but then when you you put somebody in that position they then start to flounder and sometimes particularly a business our size you don't always have the right amount of support to help somebody transition through that process so i think there's been a couple of times where we've done that um, and it's very difficult to step back from that as well because once that's once that's done you can't you can't down hire somebody down promote somebody um without i mean technically speaking you can but it's like that it, it's not great for anybody involved um so that's that's been a struggle and i think that's at, at times has hindered some of our growth and not when i say ours not just the agencies but also that individuals as well because if you put somebody in a in a role that they are struggling with then it's very difficult for them to kind of build traction off the back of that mm. well it makes sense you know I, I think you know you hear it all the time i guess engineers is the classic example in, in SaaS companies and that you get a great engineer and then you promote them to be the manager of the engineers yeah. and then they hate it you know yeah. And you see it all the time, but it's a very, very different set of skills. Uh, I know that Rand Fishkin in Lost and Founder had a, an interesting perspective on sort of how people can progress while still maintaining their skill set, which isn't necessarily aligned to leadership positions. You know, it can just be like be a, be a super developer, you know, and, and acknowledge the developer for being really, really good at their job, but not having to do that sort of linear path upwards, yeah. you know, up the hierarchy, you know, just sort of say, you know what, you're really good at this, so let's reward you with well, a great salary or, or whatever I it may mean, be. be. Before she went on uh, maternity leave, our ops director, Sarah, um, finished building out, along with our strategy director, Ads, um, was building out our professional development plans. And like, we've got pathways through the business and there's there's effectively two pathways one is an individual contributor and the other is a like a people manager type role so okay. we've we've been very clear that it doesn't matter which role you go down but you yeah. can either go into people management or you can just become a more senior more specialized individual contributor and yeah. that's that's important because a lot of people immediately equate progression with well i'm going to start managing people yeah, and a lot of yeah, people yeah. don't want to manage people like yeah. people management is fucking hard yeah. like it's it's by no stretch is it an easy part of the job but i mean it obviously has to be done so if as a business you can't offer both progression pathways you're either going to eventually end up with people who are doing a job that they either not suited for or don't really want or they're going to move on so as a business mm -hmm. i think obviously not with your first hire you don't need to map that <laughs> up but i think if you're going to scale the team having yeah. a, a map of where people can go on both sides of that spectrum is is key because otherwise people can't necessarily associate with the development that you think that they can have interesting that's so interesting now good on you Good on you. That's really cool as well. Oh, dude, nothing to do with me. That was Sarah and Ads. 
<laughs> well, good on them. You know, I think that's wicked. I, I, I really like that. I think it's that's smart, and you probably see the benefits for ages off the back of it. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, how about like making the process? You know, like at the moment, it's, again, I'm, it's causing me to reflect. You know, at the moment, we're sort of thinking a couple of interviews, um, but that feels quite short. Uh, you got any advice on sort of the length of the process and stuff like that? Yeah. So my this and I've touched on this before, but the, the the process that we've got, we've put a lot of time and effort into it, and that's been built off the back of mistakes that we've made. So uh-huh. there was there was one hire that we made who came into the business from another HubSpot agency, and on paper told us that it, like he basically said, I've got all of this experience, I can do all of this stuff, and within the first couple of weeks, it was apparent he'd barely ever opened HubSpot. So we asked him some simple questions. I was in a meeting with him. I was like, well, show me how this client, how many leads that they've had. And it, I then watched him for five minutes, click around the portal trying to get to And I was like, this is not this is not somebody who's coming at the expert level. And like, we had to exit him. And at that point, we're like, okay, we need a technical test. We need, like, so it's, we, it's adding in bits as we needed them. And then tweaking those and going, my, my, my problem at the moment is it's such a difficult recruitment market mm. is the time. So you could go through our recruitment process in two weeks, yeah. give or take, but quite often candidates are only on the market for a week. So mm. what we're very clear with them at the start of the process is this is our process and here is why we do this process so that you end up in a job that you are suited for, you want, and you get to meet the team ahead of starting. And that's why like it, it benefits them and we show them why it benefits them and we explain to them why it takes so long because otherwise as a candidate you're like oh this company doesn't really want me because it's taking two weeks for them to actually get to a point where they want to offer me so sure. if, if I were you I would think about your your process and making sure that the process is is testing not necessarily like technically testing but testing for the things that you need them to do it's testing Mm -hmm. for a cultural fit but it's also giving them insight into you as a business and what you have planned so i think it's also important particularly with your first hire is you need to you need to get them on board with the dream because it is because it's a first hire there's nothing really in place in terms of like the structure for for management or processes or anything like that but you so you need to paint the dream not, I don't mean like you get all fluffy and kind of like tell them shit that's not going to happen, but yeah. share your vision with them and get them on board with what the journey's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I think my my um, tendency will always be to sort of be a little bit relaxed about it in a way, you know, sort of say, ah, oh, you know, you know, the dream, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out, sort of thing. Yeah, but you know, that's that's something that's useful for me as a as an individual because you know it sort of takes i mean not that i need to take the pressure off but you know I, i'm driven in that way anyway and I, I know what i'm doing because i'm the person doing it but actually what you sort of speak about sort of painting the dream is someone else is coming into the business and they need to understand why you're doing what you're doing but, and how and they're going to help support that so that's if you start articulating the vision to people who don't know the vision yeah it will start to crystallize the vision better for you as well so you you know you know what it is you've probably got like the numbers written down like you are pretty good at like mapping this shit out Mm -hmm. but 
have you ever really talked through the vision with somebody who's never really, I know you've got mentors and stuff, so you probably have, but talking mm. through the vision and outlining what the dream looks like and how you feel like you're going to get to that point, talking about that more and more with different people and articulating it to different people will help crystallize it to you as well. So there's a benefit from you doing that anyway. But actually, I mean, would you join a startup if you didn't, if they hadn't told you where they're headed? Like if it's like, oh, we'll figure out the dream at some point, I'd be like, well, fucking figure it out now because this is a big part of my career. Like I'm making a decision that will impact the rest of my career. Every time you switch Mm -hmm. jobs, there is an ongoing impact to that. So, Mm -hmm. and to do that, I wanna know that you're the right captain to lead the ship that I'm getting on. Mm, no, it's a really interesting point because there was a point in my career where I was working for a, a company and, and sort of I actually asked the CEO, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? And and they gave me an answer which was which was fine f- for them, but it was something that, you know, didn't mean a lot to me. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, well, at least now I know, this isn't going to be where I'm where I am forever. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm happy being here in this moment, but you know. Well, that's one of, the, one of the things that I wasn't very good at until probably about 18 months, two years ago, is articulating the, the dream or the vision for the business outside of my head. Um, yeah. The leadership knew-ish, um, yeah. like roughly where we were headed, but there was no kind of like company-wide articulation. Now, every, every six months, we do a, a company-wide like presentation of here's, here's what the goals are to remind everybody, here's where we're tracking against those goals and here's here's our, our like ongoing vision and how we've tweaked it based on what's going on and like making it part of like a bigger company presentation. And we reaffirm all of that stuff as often as we can. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that. I think that's that's a lot of food for thought. Mate, thank you for that. I appreciate it's it. Pleasure. Like, nice it's been nice to hang out again. Yeah, nice bit of consultancy as well. But, you know, it's been great to hang out. I, I, you know, I miss this. I think it's great. You know, and, I miss and you too, guy. <laughs> I think even if no one listens, then then I'm happy with it. Hi, Joe's um, mum. <laughs> we did allude to a change of format, and, and I think we've run out of time to uh, pick up on, on that one specific bit uh, right now. But I think uh, we'll, we'll do it in the future. Um, so we'll keep that as a secret for coming episodes you shouldn't have said anything joe everyone would have forgotten <laughs> maybe they would have done but you know then again they might be like oh what's changed oh wait it's just two ball guys still chatting <laughs> so, all right joe always a pleasure yeah, i'll see you next week one. yeah yeah see you next week mate take care thank you right. everyone for listening deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.